0: From the grand reading room in the Nashville Public Library, this is Just Conversations, Nashville Reads How to Be an Anti-Racist, presented by the Metro Human Relations Commission.
1: Hello, my name is Marissa Richmond, and I am the chair of the Metro Human Relations Commission. We'd like to welcome you to this chapter of Just Conversations, specifically looking at the LGBTQ community. I am joined today with three other uh, significant, prominent leaders of the LGBT community here in Nashville. Uh, and it is my great pleasure to welcome Dwayne Jenkins, Matt Huffington, and Ray Holloman. Uh, we'll start uh, here over here on the on my far right, uh, Dwayne. Uh, give us a little bit of uh, information about you and and the, your contributions to the community.
2: Hey, thank you, thank you all for having me. Um, Dwayne Jenkins, originally from New York, born and raised in the Bronx. Uh, been in Nashville for many years since '94. Uh, I wear many different hats. Uh, one of them being uh, the director of the My House facility at Nashville Cares. Uh, but then I'm also the uh, president and founder of National Black Pride and then the CEO of Brothers United Network.
3: Um, I am Matt Cuffington. Um, I was born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. I came here to Nashville to go to school and decided not to go home. Uh, I am a National Pride uh, board member. I have recently been voted as National Pride uh, Vice President. I'm also the chair of our new committee, which is uh, diversity and inclusion. I am also on the Nashville Black Pride board with Dwayne. I am an LGBT uh, Nashville Chamber board member as well. I help also with uh, Launchpad and with Mashup Nashville. Um, I own two pageantry systems here in Nashville. Um, next year, 2021, we'll be celebrating uh, 25 years of pageantry. Uh, my Mr. Esquire pageant, and I also own Miss Tennessee Diamond Devo.
1: Thank you. And Ray.
0: Hey, everyone. My name is Ray Holloman. I am currently the chair of the Tennessee Transgender Task Force, which is sponsored by the Department of Health. We do a lot in HIV prevention, especially trying to get people who are trans identified and making sure they know all the resources that are available to them and I'm also on the advisory board for Vanderbilt University for the Medical Center. They have an LGBTQ advisory board, and so I've been a member of that as well, just making sure that trans people and their healthcare needs are really being spoken to and making sure that the medical providers here have competent
1: training. Well, thank you. Well, I thought we'd first start uh, we've got, of course, two prides and uh, of course Dwayne and Mac and I have all worked with Black Pride, but of course, uh, Mac, you're with the, the, the big Nashville pride. One of the questions, especially since we're here talking about racism and anti-racism, one of the questions certainly in the black community we get a lot is why do we have to have two prides? So, um, so Dwayne, since you're actually the, the president and the founder, and uh, the creative genius behind Nashville Black Pride. Why don't you kind of tell us a little bit about how you you address
2: that question? Uh, Well, I've I've addressed it differently over the past couple of years. Uh, I'm trying not to uh, be as hostile (laughs) in the recent years, uh, but I also uh, realize that people, you know, just generally want to understand. So the the short answer is uh, when people ask that, I go, you're asking the question shows that there needs to be two because you don't understand the thing uh, basically going back to uh, when we first started you know 20 or at least in nashville 20 plus years ago for black pride and getting it developed uh, it really was just a difference in music a difference in what we needed in the community as far as workshops and different things like that that's what black pride meant to us locally We had film fest we had all these different educational components so it was different than just uh let's say a pride parade nothing wrong with the parade but we needed to discuss some other things internally which made it a little bit easier for us to get together and then still celebrate so that was the initial response to going there needs to be a different one because we are not even though we were asked to do what we used to call a black night uh, during when it used to be a week long Pride, it was something that we knew we needed to do more than just a day. And a day at a club or something like that was not giving us what we needed. Uh, So the community, the black LGBT community really needed to go inward for a little bit to do stuff for themselves. So that's why there needs to be a different one, and, and there's other prides too. There's Latinx prides, there's different ones, just to make sure that those individuals can take ownership of their pride and of their heritage and other things. Not that anyone is not invited to the other ones, everyone's always invited, but it's a good thing to let people celebrate who they are in their ways, which may be different than the larger ones. Yeah.
3: And, and I agree with Duane, the larger one, it does, it is open to absolutely positively everywhere, everyone. Excuse me, but like he said, there's no way to celebrate everyone's each and each individual culture at that pride. So national pride is the bigger pride for the big celebration for everyone to come in and come together and celebrate. And and there are so many organizations throughout the year um, that pride um, is a part of to try to like Dwayne said. Uh, recognize the individual cultures, but the actual pride itself is is supposed to be one big celebration for everyone. Um, And again, you know, my reason for participating in Black Pride is just like he said, celebrating our culture, the uniqueness and the other issues that we have in our community that are specific to being black.
1: Okay. Now, you mentioned the the diversity and inclusion committee. Tell us a little bit about what that's about.
3: Um, That's a brand new committee. Uh, For National Pride, Um, over the years uh, there have been few minorities, and I've been one of those few minorities um, on the board, Um, but Pride is actually trying to reach out a little bit more and get more minorities. Um, And I do believe that there's other things that we want to uh, do in the community that need to be more diverse. And so the committee's been formed, and I was appointed uh, by our president, Alex Fortney, um, to be the chair of that committee.
1: Okay. Right, have you seen any issues related to race, especially with regards to transgender healthcare? I know that there are healthcare disparities uh, that we've seen uh, around the country, and certainly Tennessee is no different, but, um, but, but how do you view that playing out, particularly for the transgender community?
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of disparities that we see. I think that trans people don't normally go and seek healthcare because they don't want to be misgendered. Like if you go in and you see an intake form, they're not gonna go because they're just like, my identity's not on here. Why am I gonna go back? You don't know if providers are gonna be competent or actually care and give you the healthcare that you need. And so I think if you think about the trans community overall and you start thinking about people of color where they've already systematically not had great experiences with the doctor, it's just kind of like a double whammy at that point. So they don't wanna go, they don't seek healthcare. And so I think that we continue to see that. And so you see people not going out and getting the healthcare that they need, going and finding providers because it's hard to find providers that are really competent and, you know, especially you want to find someone that's maybe competent in both transgender issues and then also all of the racial disparities that we've seen and all the mistrust that's already in our communities. I think it just makes it that much harder. So I think that we have to educate both our providers and patients to both be able to really speak for themselves and be able to find competent providers and know what they can advocate for. Because I think that's one of the biggest things is that we can provide more people education on the provider side and the patient side. It'll make everybody more useful to going into the facilities, that'll help the providers learn more,
1: and it'll help the patients take care of their health better. No I said I noticed you said you worked at Vanderbilt, but of course, Nashville is one of only four cities in the country with a predominantly black um, uh, medical school. Uh, do you think having Meharry Medical College here is is as making a difference, um, particularly within the LGBTQ community?
0: I think so i think there's definitely partnerships that i see that like all of the healthcare institutions here are really trying to partner with each other and i think that's something that we've really started seeing over the last couple of years. So having Meharry partner with both Vanderbilt and with you know TriStar here in the Nashville area, there's all of these partnerships that are being created, and I think that now the LGBTQ community needs to also partner with all of these same institutions because they're getting all the medical training. We're getting more, you know, we have Mehari here. So how are we making sure that you know Black doctors are coming out knowing how to take care of a subpopulation of the LGBTQ community and especially the trans community? Because right now I would say that a lot of the trans, you know, trans competent providers I would see are, are, non, are not people of color. And so how do we make that start changing? So like we can go see providers that look like us and actually have all the education that's there as well. So I think there's definitely a space for us to move into there a little bit more and having the community reach out to those providers and help educate and train them as well.
1: Dwayne, now you're with Nashville Cares, or my house of Nashville Cares. Have, have you, what have you seen with regard to the healthcare and healthcare resources for Nashville, and particularly for the
2: Black, LGBT, the black LGBTQ community? Well, one of the, the great things is now we have the new My House Clinic, uh, which is part of uh, the Nashville Cares family. So, And, and you know, describe that briefly, course. Okay, so the, <laughs> the My House Clinic uh, is something that we started actually, uh, we opened up again in September, uh, but in five years ago, we had a grant through the CDC, which we had some partners with, and uh, we had a clinic and then we just put it in our name uh, this past year. So it's, it's a wonderful opportunity. Uh, It's originally was specifically targeting uh, African-American same-gender loving men and then the other spectrum of the LGBTQ community so we wanted to make sure that you know as you were saying Ray that the health disparities the people knew they can come in not only for HIV testing and all the other things but uh, for hard you know gender-affirming care all those other things can be done by you know a nurse practitioner who is open to hearing everything and knows what to do and one of the great things that we can also do is sort of tailor our paperwork and different things a little bit differently than the the larger corporations who can't get into the specific things of changing and putting on gender affirming things we can do that on our end a little bit better to go Hey, this you see it here. So now you know that you're welcome I mean as soon as you walk into the clinic, you'll know that you're welcome um, But the thing about it is just to make sure that people not only you know During this COVID thing and everything else But can come in just for regular things and feel that they are safe and they can be treated with respect and dignity uh, for whatever they're coming into the healthcare system for. Since we are in the middle of
1: this pandemic, we've all got our masks here yes. with us. Um and we're safely safe distant and got the barriers here. Uh, has, has that changed the way you all have uh, conducted business uh, since we it went has. into the lockdown back it in has. March?
2: It has we and and you know Surprisingly enough, some of the things that we had to change really flipped really easily. So we had to go virtual for a lot of our programming. Uh, But then as far as testing, we do on-demand testing, we do drive-through testing, contact lists. I mean, it's all the things. We even deliver condoms, we deliver tests, we mail tests. So there's so many different things that we've done because of the pandemic that makes it a little bit easier. So if someone comes to the clinic, again, we make appointments, so we make sure that there's not only one person or two people. We have a large waiting room, but we make sure that everyone has their Mask, everyone goes through the questions, everyone gets their temperature checked and we sanitize after every person, like they're gonna do here, you know, after we speak, you sanitize it and the next person comes in. So we have we got you covered if you come in, but that's one of the things that's great because people, as soon as they come in, you got your thermometer, you got your mask, they're like, oh, you guys are gonna take care of us. Yes, we are. So that's been really great.
3: Hey, Marissa, uh, I wanted to um, say also, uh, with me and the pageantry, System, it's it's changed the drag world um, as well. Um, of course, for a while the clubs here were closed because of the pandemic, and so um, that system too went to virtual. Um, now, even if you with the clubs open now and you go, a lot of them have the shield, you know, type mask. Uh, there, it's touch. You can't give the uh, entertainers tips. There's touchless uh, tips when you go to the club. There's. <laughs> Uh, thermometers that you have to have your masks, things like that. so our world you know flipped um just like he's saying to to continue to keep the entertainers working, to keep you know music and keep that um that out there, that joy um out there in the world. so it's it's flipped all walks of life totally.
1: yeah, our community is it, the the club scene is a very important part of our community. Uh, it's an important socializing. Tool, it's it's certainly a big part of coming out for many of us, and um, and seeing so many places closed and or or limited uh, capacity in, in the short term, uh, certainly that that's going to affect a lot of people. It's going to affect a lot of people's livelihoods, um, and um, and and so you know it's it's certainly one thing that the LGBTQ community has to deal with that that the other communities generally do not. Um, and, uh, and, and especially for those who are performers and the people who work in those clubs, um, serving drinks, uh, working for tips, uh, this is gonna have a huge financial impact on our community, probably more so than any other community um, that, that we're seeing. Um, Ray, uh, of course, uh, uh, are you seeing that um, either in, in your, your workplace, uh, of course, again, you're at Vanderbilt, uh, at least Vanderbilt has some money.
0: <laughs> yeah, so like, so like what I do for Vanderbilt is like I sit on their advisory board, but definitely have seen, you know, the changes that have happened. Like we're seeing that, you know, patients are being limited, you know, doing telehealth. That's been the big thing that I've really seen um, a lot of places move to is that telehealth. And, but what that really does for our community is that people that live out in rural areas are now getting access to care and not having to drive to Nashville. Oh. And so that's really helping people that may, you know, if they want to find competent care, but it used to be a three hour drive because they were coming from Knoxville or Memphis or something like that. Now they're meeting with their providers through telehealth. And so it's really increasing access to healthcare in some ways because, you know, you don't have to think that you have to come to Nashville for an appointment. You can just get on your computer or on your phone, meet with your provider, get your prescriptions, get it sent to your pharmacy, and you don't even have to leave like the area that you live in. And that's where I think the real big change has really happened is that having telehealth has really allowed more people to have access to competent care because you're not just located to just like the major cities and you don't have to come to Nashville. You can just be at your house. And so I think that's been the biggest change that I've seen kind of through healthcare is that because now you have providers that may not necessarily even reside in the state of Tennessee, but could be really competent meeting with people that live here just because of all the laws that change during this pandemic. So that's been a great increase of just people getting access to more healthcare because they can find more competent providers.
1: Are, are the, the people that you're seeing uh, through telehealth, are they, um, are, are they a particular age group? Because I'm wondering, uh, especially for young people, I mean, they would have not been able maybe to drive if they had unsupported families, but are you able to see more young people thanks to telehealth that otherwise would not be able to get in?
0: Yeah, I think you're seeing more people with telehealth. You're seeing younger people. I think you're seeing like kind of all populations really take an increase into that. I know that, you know, a lot of the facilities have been really trying to help, you know, get connected to like some of those seniors that may not be able to understand technology. So maybe it's a phone call instead of it being face to face, but really working through that. So you're seeing younger patients getting access because they can, you know, privately do it in their bedrooms or, you know, you're getting people that are just having more access. So I think that's been a great thing um, just kind of through all the age ranges, but definitely the younger generations are definitely taking more advantage of that because they can easily do it. You know, especially if they're still living at home, they can just easily connect with the provider versus having to, you know, try to figure out a way how to get to Nashville if they don't have transportation.
2: And one of the great things, too, you know, what Ray was mentioning earlier about the collaborations are organizations that do different telehealth. We do telehealth at the My House Clinic as well, and you would think that the implementation would be like really a lot of red tape, but then we simplified it so you can do FaceTime. You can do all of these other things instead of trying to get into that specific system. Sometimes you have to, but it's a little bit easier to do that. Also, if people needed to get in when they need to draw blood and get some labs done, we can actually, you know, help do that with peer navigation. Because the peer navigator can go and get the person, make sure they're socially sit in the back, wear your mask. And we can go get the individual, bring them to the clinic and take them back. So even if your particular institution doesn't have that opportunity, to do that you can contact us and then we can see how we can sort of work that in, especially if they're a patient at the My House Clinic, we can get them to and from their appointments should we need to do that. So all of that is a great thing of the implementation was like the uptake was great.
3: And I know the two of you talked about the younger set, um, but I was on a committee uh, for PRIDE uh, with AARP, and that's the telehealth has been wonderful for older adults. Like me (laughs) and me. (laughs) But it's been absolutely wonderful for older adults also who can't get out, you know, being able to, you know, once we (laughs) teach the people how to Zoom, but once, you know, they learn how a lot of them are able to still see their providers, and get information and get uh, medicine and and things like that. And um, the organization itself has reached out, um, like I said, because this was a pride thing, um, they've reached out to the LGBT community wanting to embrace older LGBT um, persons. So, you know, medical wise, that has been a great help for them as well.
0: And it's creating a lot more equity because now you're not having people necessarily having to take off work. They may have a 15 minute doctor's appointment. You don't have, you may be able to do that on your break versus having to take an hour. So people aren't having to leave their jobs because maybe they can just step outside and take an appointment instead of having like take that time off of work. So especially for people of color, that may be a really great thing. They can take a 15 minute break really at any, maybe be able to take that at any time versus having to go sit and wait at a doctor's office because now the doctor's calling you and you're not waiting on that provider. So that's another thing that we're really seeing is that people are being more receptive to this kind of on demand Uh model because you can kind of let the doctor call you, but you don't have to disrupt everything that you're doing. So that's one thing that we're really seeing and it creates just more equity because now, Not everybody has the availability to take two hours off to go sit at a doctor's office or the whole day yeah or the whole exactly and so now it's like you go and maybe they put in a lab order for you so you have to go somewhere and get your labs drawn but that's usually pretty quick so it's creating a lot more equity that i don't think that people really recognize that this has happened by having telehealth because it's kind of flipped it you're not waiting on the doctor you know to get you in when they can see you. They're calling you when they're ready. And yeah. so it's creating a lot. It's erased one of the barriers that we used to see of people trying to schedule appointments Nice is because, you know, doctors' offices work eight to five. And if you work eight to five, it doesn't work that way. And so now it's like you can take a 15, 20 minutes, do yeah. your appointment and get back to what like. you're doing. And you're not losing that productive time, which for a lot of people in our community means yes. dollars. And so that's really been something that I think has helped in hopefully we'll continue to find more ways to make healthcare more equitable for everyone. Because
3: yeah. I, don't, I don't think the whole telehealth thing is going away even you know, when things go back to what we hope to be normal, because again, like you're saying, it's so beneficial to both sides.
1: I was just gonna ask, uh, the two of you m- mentioned in your intros, you're both from the n- North and uh, <laughs> you stayed here. And of course, the South, when it comes to race relations, doesn't have the best history. Uh, Ray and I are both from Tennessee. I grew okay. up with it, but you chose to stay, and, yes. and, and have, how, how was that sort of cultural change for you? Um, of course, I moved away and then came back, but I was always traveling <laughs> back to too. Nashville to visit my parents. So I saw the evolution in Nashville, but you're coming from very, very different places, both of you.
2: Well, it, it, I guess for me, it, it was a little different uh, and coming from, you know, the Bronx, you, I guess it was more, if there was racism, more different things going on, it was more in your face. When I got here, it was sort of under the rug, but yeah. you would go, did you just, Wait a minute. Wait. <laughs> hold on. And because, you know, depending on the person, you would be able to jump right in and go, OK, I didn't like what you just said or something like that. So I was able to see it a little bit easier because of the underlining tones and, you know, different things that I would see. But it wasn't it wasn't immediate. It took a while for me to, you know, sit here and just go, oh, but yeah, I mean, living I wouldn't live here if I wasn't comfortable, you know, after all these years. But again being in the forefront and trying to do some other stuff and working with individuals who are also from the north or wherever it's it's easier to come in and just go hold on we need some change here you know
3: and i think like Dwayne, you know in chicago you, you knew it you just it was everywhere you knew it i mean it's just how you got treated the whole nine and um when I first came here, again, everybody was so nice when you know I first came, so it didn't jump out like he said right away um, until a couple of things happened, and I'm like Kim, you're like, did you just do that? <laughs> <laughs> what they sell, 92Q, hidden racism. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I will say I did encounter encounter it um, head on when I went to Kentucky. Um, that was just so blatant that. <laughs> Um, the, the waitress came, the hostess sat a guy, I was at working in a restaurant, the gentleman was very upset, I mean, just making this big to-do, so the hostess comes and she gets me, and she's like, oh, customer wants to talk to you, we're having a problem, I go out, and he was like, you know, he wants to see the manager, and he's like, well, you're not the manager, I'm the manager, he says, no, you're black, (laughs) you can't be the manager. Yes, sir, I'm I'm the manager. What's wrong? Well, his problem was he didn't want the black waitress to wait on him. You know, of course, he didn't use the word black, but it's like, oh, OK, sir, you know, which beautiful white girl would you like <laughs> to wait on you? The, you know, we can solve your problem. Because, you know, still in that, still the customer. <laughs> you know, that wasn't a time for Black Lives Matter. There was nobody to march with me. She and I were the only two black people there. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely more blatant here in the South.
1: Yeah. Well, Ray, you're you're like me. You're from here, Did <laughs> yes. you stayed here. I did. <laughs> I stayed here.
0: Been here, stayed here. Yeah, it's just, you know, I think this point for me, it's about trying to enact change. Yeah. Right. Like I've been here, stayed here, never, never have left. And so <laughs> about it's just about change. And so it's a lot of just educating people mm-hmm. and making our presence be known. And so trying to do that and multiple different avenues, whether it's through healthcare or through technology okay. or whatever. It's really about making it known that, hey, we are, you know, competent, if not more so, than yeah. like our peers. And just trying to continue to move that forward because I think that's the thing is that I feel like a lot of my peers left. Yeah. And so they went to other places. They went, you know, to the Californias and the New Yorks yeah. of the world. And but there's nobody here to continue to push the message forward if we all leave. Yeah. And so For me it's kind of like i want to continue to push that message forward because i want this to be better for the people that come after me people made it better for me so when i came up it was easier for me so i want to make it easier for the people going forward so that's kind of why like i stay here because i think that that's a really important part and it helps having people come here as well from other parts of the country because they get to see that hey it doesn't have to be like this it can be better and so we can make it better going forward
1: yeah, I, uh, I get the question a lot. Why do I stay here? Because, of course, I did <laughs> go away. I went to school on both coasts, but then I came back home. Again, I saw the evolution of Nashville, uh, increase the embrace of diversity, uh-huh. um, uh, and of course the LGBTQ community starting to, to really become more visible. Um, and it was one of the reasons I was willing to come home and then stay home. Uh, I'm proud of, of what I've been able to do for Nashville. Um, when I was, uh, elected to be the chair of the Human Relations Commission, I became only the third openly transgender person to chair such a commission in the history of the country. So that puts Nashville in pretty exclusive company with Atlanta and San Francisco. And, and all three of us, interestingly, happen to be people of color. Um, and, uh, and so uh, I'm glad that we can continue to push Nashville, even though we continue to have all these political battles with our state legislature. Um, uh, and in the process uh, help educate people around me. Um, I, I've heard things, you know, um, it, especially when we had the marriage amendment battle years ago and, and and the trans community was fighting to get into federal legislation. And I actually had people say to my face, well, you all just need to wait your turn. And I'm like, you're telling a black person <laughs> to wait our turn I'm like, in this day and age? I mean, like yeah. that was the sort of crap we had to put yeah. up with. Uh, back in the 60s. And it tells me that there's still a lot of work a lot to of do. Work. And and as Ray was saying, you know, we need people from here, staying here and doing that work and being those role models uh, in order to help that next generation. Because I look at young people and I say, you know, when I see school kids, you know, somewhere, and I say somewhere in that group is someone like me, yes. and they need someone yes. like me to to look up yes. to. Because if everybody leaves, then they have no real hope or future in Nashville. And wherever they live, in whether it's New York City or Pulaski, Tennessee, everybody should feel safe uh, where they grow up and, and, and belong there, especially in schools. And, and again, have access to, to healthcare and everything else. Well, we're just about out of time. Uh, I'd like to thank um, all three of you, Ray, Matt, and Dwayne. I've had an opportunity uh, to work with all three of you over the years. Uh, I know you all are, are, are awesome uh, to work with. Uh, and, and Nashville is really fortunate to have all three of you. Uh, and, and so many people I know have been touched by the work that each and every one of you has done. Uh, I appreciate uh, your contributions i uh, like to thank you all very much for tuning in to our discussion today. Uh, for more information and more episodes, you can go to www.justconversations.org. Um, again www.justconversations.org. And again, I want to thank you all for being here with us tonight. Just Conversations is presented by the Metro Nashville Human Relations Commission. Executive Producers Sarah Imran, Mark Etherly, Barbara gunn and Bob Ferrissey. Directed by Cooper Smith and produced by Alex Bennett, Caroline Pace, and Cooper Smith. Special thanks to the Nashville Public Library, Jenna Schmid, and Mark Crowder. For more information and more episodes, visit justconversations.org. Follow us on Twitter at Just Conversate, on Instagram at Just Conversaciones, or on Facebook at Just Conversate.